0: The most difficult moments was when uh my dad you know he calls me i wasn't living with him at this time and he calls me he says come to the house right now i need to speak to you and it was just the worst over the phone i knew the worst was going to happen and how old were you then i was i don't know maybe 20. um yeah and he tells me uh, you know um it's so even hard you know and i've said this a few times before but it's still hard every time uh he tells me you know if it wasn't for blood you wouldn't be my daughter uh so as a daughter as a son as a however you wish you know to identify for you to hear that from your parents oh man it's heartbreaking so heartbreaking in that moment i just felt like my whole world came crashing down and i said whoa like this is serious You're listening to Nideaqui,
1: a podcast by The Marketing Jersey. It's Key. I am Wiso Vásquez. episode 4, episode 4, and with me, my co-host, Janely Farias. Hola, Janely.
0: What's up, Wiso? So happy to be back.
1: Yes, I am happy to be back, and for those that were uh, anticipating A podcast last week sorry schedules sometimes trying to track down Danelli she's all over the world it's kind of hard (laughs) yes I was I'm working with a rock star here so sometimes and then COVID
0: got me but but I'm good now
1: (laughs) I'm good (laughs) you said it COVID you know it stopped we couldn't record uh so we said you know what we uh we're gonna make it up and do an extra special episode. Not the other one wasn't going to be special, but aquí estamos, episode four. So we want to thank you all again, just reminding you, you can find us on Spotify and also on Apple Podcasts. So yay, I think on the last episode. So uh, Janelli, now this is our fourth episode. We've had a guest on for the last three episodes, right? Um, That episode zero that we recorded didn't really count. And I've already... Really, really enjoyed our guest. I know there's so many people that have reached out to us and said that they're learning a ton, and I uh, just wanted to hear your thoughts so far. The last three episodes: Fidel, Sarah, Michael. Did you or did you ever think we were going to be learning so much in this podcast?
0: Um, no. At the beginning, I think it was like I don't think we expected to have you know the the platform that we have today, mm-hmm. um, but we have it. And I think what's cool about, you know, our first three episodes is that I feel that each person that we have had on, uh, Michael, Sarah, and Fidel, uh, they all have like something to contribute to our people, to our community. Um, they're, they're each, you know, unique in their own sense, but something that brings us all together is that, uh, you know, we, we all want, you know, better representation for the Latinx community. We want, you know, our voices to be heard. And that's something that, uh, Michael, Sarah, and Fidel all bring to the table.
1: Yes. Yes. If, if you're listening to us for, for the first time, awesome. Go back and listen to these three episodes. Every single one of those episodes is, is completely different. So from Latinx to Hispanic Heritage Month uh, to, um, to Sarah's amazing story that she has and who she's worked with. So uh, yeah, go back and listen to it. Today, this podcast, this episode, doing things a little bit different. We don't have a guest uh, for a very specific reason. And I think this is, this is definitely going to be, I know, one of my favorite episodes and we haven't even recorded it because I've been looking forward to this. And when you get into a podcast, there's, there are obviously so many different types of ways that you can go about it. You can have guests on, you can just start rambling. Uh, but one thing that's kind of just true in its sense is that we get to know the host and sometimes people don't spend as much time on the people that are doing the podcast. And for me, for example, Danielle and I have been friends for a while now and I know her story. We can, you know, Go to a game and work in a game. Work in different episodes um, and hang out and just have a lot, a lot of fun. I consider her my friend. I consider you my friend, Janelle. Uh, But there no, are anyway. times. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm cool. <laughs> but there are times when you know we get in these conversations, and I think like an hour in, we're like, man, we should have recorded this because it's such a good conversation that we
0: that's have. happened like twenty times
1: at least. It it has, it has. And uh, but I I wanted to take this episode into um, giving you a little more insight on. Who Janelli is, and maybe we can do we so later on. I'm pretty sure uh, by production they say okay, maybe we so by episode seven or eight. We will we first. Will. Um, there are a lot of people that know you, Janelli. There's, you know, you're online, you are outspoken, you're not afraid to say what's on your mind, and what's really cool and what I admire about you is that you're not afraid to talk about the past, and you're definitely not afraid to talk about the future, which is <laughs> awesome from you. But um, I know from some of the messages and from some of the listeners and people that I've talked to is really deep down who is Janelli, and we can go on and on in this episode, and we'll try to make it short. But there, are, I think there's a couple of things that I would like our listeners to get to know about you, and uh, to hear your side of things or things we might have heard of, or anything that you want to talk about, especially when it comes to this Nidiaki lifestyle. So uh, if it's okay with you. Even though you already said yes. <laughs> we'll uh, <laughs> have yeah. a
0: choice. No, I'm already here, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're you're here
1: already. So um one of the first things that I we always ask, right, in the other episodes is what is the best thing that you like about being Latinx? We've asked Fidel, Sarah, we asked Michael, but I want to hear your answer and uh yeah, officially.
0: You know, wow, where do I even start? But for me, the best thing about being Latinx is that we're just so multidimensional. Uh, I'm right. I'm Mexican American. I am. Um, I'm just so many things thanks to my parents migrating to, to California and me being born there. Um, and I feel like what makes us, um, who we are is, um, there's a lot of dimensions to it. Um, and, uh, personally, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I really embrace that right i'm not just mexican i'm not just american i'm not just gay i'm not just a woman i'm i'm in so many things and embracing all of all of the different things that make me who i am makes me who i am mm-hmm. so i'm so grateful for my parents being born in mexico and but i'm also grateful for them uh moving to america because i'm also american and i also have this you know, different perspective because of that. So I think because I am from the Latinx community, I'm able to see things from different perspectives. And it just helps me um, with everything that I do on and off the field. It just gives me like a broader perspective on life.
1: Mm-hmm. I if there's something that defines us is the such differences that we all have in the Latinx community, right? Mm-hmm. From anybody from my end. Living in Mexico and then moving to the United States in your end, living in the United States and then moving to Mexico, um, there's so many different things. I, I love your answer. And it's it's true. Uh, you know, there's nothing that you could just define as lat everybody that's Latinx is one way. Well, we know this by the different countries, then we know this by the different regions, you know, then we know different different states, and it's you know, the variety is the spice of life, I think is true when it comes to to Latinx. I want to take that a little bit more beyond and we can celebrate what's awesome about being Latino. Right. But I want to ask you, what don't you like about? Oh man. Like <laughs> this it,
0: is, this is why you didn't want to give me a rundown, huh? That, You're like, I'm just going to throw you at her.
1: think <laughs> about it. Then you think about it, but look, I don't want to say that. Oh, this is, uh, you know, I love who I am, but this is where our conversation kind of start. Like, and we go, man, we should record this because there are conversations that mean you have that we can go. We can do so much better, yeah. And we've worked in stuff that you know, as if it's social justice, if it's messaging, if it's if it's something. But you know, specifically, what do Latinos? What do we? What does our culture have? What do we do wrong?
0: Yeah, no, that's do do that's better? man. That is such a uh, excellent question. Good's not enough. It's it's an excellent question because uh, something that is that I think we could do better in our culture is that is question. What do we need to do better? I feel like our culture is so closed minded, especially mm-hmm. the older generations, uh, that we think that, you know, if somebody tells us, you know what, this is the way things are, we're like, oh, okay, this is the way things are and yeah. we accept them. And uh, personally, I've had a fight against that in everything that I've done and everything that I do. It's like, no, but es que te dicen que es que las cosas son así, entonces las tienes que aceptar. It's because things are like that, so you have to accept them. It's like, whoa, who wrote that rule? That doesn't exist. Yeah. Um. And I think it's something that, if we just learned as a culture to be more open minded, to 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 switch that chip and say, you know what, I don't know it all. You know what, there are other perspectives out there. I think we could just be, we could be so much better individually and collectively. Um, and if I'm being specific about, you know, what are we close minded about? Um, yeah. our culture I is very, yeah. yeah
1: exactly. our culture okay, well. is, you, you knew I was going to go there too. <laughs> well, let's, let's pinpoint what is it?
0: Uh, our culture is very machista, very sexista. Yeah. Um, and it's what, one of the main things that I think we need to change. Um, it's, we, we live in a culture where, uh, women are seen as second and, um, like in, in Mexico specifically, it's hard. It's really hard with what I do off the field, you know, knowing that most people see me as second, as a second class citizen, because why, because they see men as first class citizens and that needs to change. Um, so that's part of where closed-mindedness comes into play. Uh, and then, I mean, if I use specific examples for my family, um, you know, for the longest time, my family was like, you know, when they finally accepted that I was gay, I'm 31 years old now, let's say 10 years ago, you know, my family's first concern was like, well, how are you going to depend on yourself economically, financially? Who's going to support you? Who's going to pay your bills? And I was like, whoa, why are we jumping to conclusions here? Who says that a man has to support me? I don't, I'm not saying anybody else has to support me, But like, you know, we have, they have this mentality where they think a woman is, needs a man to live. They think Mm -hmm. a woman needs a man to be fine. And that's not the case. Now, if, if somebody chooses, if a woman chooses, you know, to follow the traditional lifestyle, that's okay too, as long as it's their decision and they're happy. Now we need to be more open-minded in seeing that that's not the only way to live in seeing that there's so many ways for a woman to be, there's so many ways for a woman to carry herself. And a woman can depend on herself financially. A woman can make a living on her own. But that's the thing. And sorry to interrupt you is where does that
1: mentality come from? I think we know. The people are- it's, it's, it's about, edu- it's about education almost, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's teaching young girls to, to, to say, Hey, you don't need anybody to, to support yourself. And I think that mentality is, well, can't or, you know, you got to have a good man in order for him to take care of you. And ultimately, culturally, that is, you know, and I'm I'm not gonna lie that growing up, I was like, I I have to find, you know, a partner, I have to find a woman that and and hopefully, you know, I'm gonna have a good job so she doesn't have to work. Like that is kind of instilled mm-hmm. in you to make sure that you know, from my parents, and my parents were really hard workers. And my mom was like, You're gonna go to do this, and then you're gonna go to college, and then you're gonna get married and you're gonna take care of your wife and kids, right? And, and because that's how my parents did it. If it affects you so much. And and this is me as a man, right? This is me going, Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm going to be fine. But that mentality puts that I got to find someone that's going to need me one, mm-hmm. two, I'm going to, um, I'm going to stress because I have to make sure that I can provide for my family, which I did. Don't take vacations from school. You have to work. You have to make sure you keep on this line. And it's like, even then, you know, not knowing the impact of, of that of that cultural stigma making sure you provide how it affects women. And this is mm-hmm. the, the conversations that I have that I have no, with you. Like oh yeah, to what was happening.
0: Like every like you you like you said it right. It's cultural. It's it's something that's culture and that's what needs to change. Right. And you said it, it comes down to how we're educated right? So we both live the same thing just from different sides, right? They're telling you, you need to, you're a man. So you need to find a good job and you need to find a woman to have your children and then you need to support her. Right. And then I'm being told the opposite. Well, no, I need to find a man to support me and I need to have his children. And so we're raised that way, right? We're educated that way. And if we're, if we want to see a cultural change, we need to start educating our children differently. So I think the real change is going to start like, it's going to be difficult for me to change a 50 year old man's perspective. It's probably not going to happen. Right. But if I educate a child at two years old, three years old, five years old, 10 years old, a certain way, they're going to grow up with a different perspective. They're going to grow up seeing that, Oh, you know, there isn't only one way to do things. There's a lot of ways that somebody can live, whether you're a man or a woman, regardless of your sex or gender, there's so many ways that we can express ourselves that we can be. And that is where that's where the solution is. Right. We need educate and re-educate since you know starting with children
1: and it's okay and I, I think that's what on a personal level where you know you, you the pressure were on to be that provider and that if you weren't oh my gosh right hmm. gosh we can get into so many things about the machismo like you asked right that's one of the things that you know how we you have to be manly you have to do this and that's maybe for another episode but it's true um I I can uh I think I agree with you when we were talking about, you know, that question of what the cult what's the worst thing about our culture. And I'm not saying that we're it's it's only tied to our culture because I'm pretty sure in other cultures mm-hmm. it's the same way. I I can definitely tell you in in that that everyone's very traditional. Um, I feel like we are starting to see this new generation of kids, you know, this Gen Z kids that are like, wait, no, I'm not gonna do that, which is kind of yeah. cool to see already. Um, but at least that there, there there's that hope. And I wanted to ask you that question because we've been asking all of our our guests that and, and not the other question, which maybe we will in, in some of the events. Um, I think we
0: should add it. I like it.
1: We should be like, oh, what's the best no, name yeah. in Palm? What's Boom, the right, and then go, just throw the, the flip side. <laughs> going, going forward. Let's put them on the spot. Um, uh, specifically, okay, those two are the questions. I have another uh, question and I'll ask towards the end that we've asked our, obviously everybody, but um, your story, Janelli, for most of you, they know Janelli, the soccer player who played in Chivas and switched over to America. <laughs>
0: We just that, had to highlight that right I there. We had add to add that in there. We had
1: to. <laughs> I had to add that in there, right? Sorry, right. um, it makes my story that much better. <laughs> right. uh, the I just I remember just you with like how much. Maybe one day we'll just go into like sports questions with Janelli.
0: Oh, we will. Um, we'll we'll go into that specific topic eventually so if you're you're listening for those of you guys that are
1: america and chivas fans and are dying to know reasons i will we'll we'll break it here and you'll know
0: why soon
1: (laughs) but but um who are you like you're the you're the soccer player you are danelli outspoken who is there to to speak for others how did you were you always like this when since since younger were you always the person that, you know, who you are now, and I'm not saying that you haven't changed, but could you say you've always been like this?
0: No, I haven't always been like this. At, at the very beginning, you said something, uh, and I was going to respond in the moment, but I thought I'll probably eventually get the chance to respond. But you said, um, uh, you know, that I'm not scared to speak up. Uh, and that's actually not the case. Uh, I, I know a lot of people characterize me as fearless, but I think a uh, b- the term fearless is um, I don't know if it's the right word to describe me or people like me. I wouldn't in, instead say that I'm courageous. I believe I'm the most courageous person that I know. And to me, courage is is acting and speaking despite the fear. Because if you ask me, am, am I scared to speak up against the things that I speak up, up against? Hell yeah, I am. Mexico yeah. is really homophobic. It's the reality. So if you tell me, oh, she's not scared to speak up against homophobia, no way. I'm I'm terrified. I'm terrified. But over time with my experiences and what I've observed and what I've learned and how much I've grown as a person, I've learned that I can act despite the fear. I can speak up despite all of the negativity, despite all of the aggression, despite all of the bad stuff. Why? Because I'm a person that has, I have my purpose in life very, very clear. So whenever I, I encounter those difficult moments of fear, I remember my purpose and I know that I'm here. I'm not just Janely Faria as a soccer player. Uh, I'm not just Janely Faria as a chef. I'm not just Janely Farías the girlfriend, the uh the sister. I am I believe that I'm here to make a, a difference in the world. I believe that I'm here to be the voice for those people that feel like they have no voice. So when I remember that in moments of difficulty, that's like all I need to continue doing what I'm doing, continue speaking up okay.
1: Was there a time that changed when you finally figure yourself out like that? Like if you can go back, you know, you said 10 years ago. Um, but is there is there a moment, is there something in your life that that was like that you kind of came out and said, All right, I'm gonna be this way now? Not necessarily fearless, but at the same time, um,
0: I'm gonna be courageous. I don't know that there was one specific time. I think it's a, it's a combination of things, and I think. There are moments in my life that have, um, pushed me to develop courage. Um, and there've been, there've been moments where I failed, but they pushed me to become more courageous. There've been moments where I've been successful and it's given me the strength to be more courageous, but it's something that is, uh, it's a constant process. Um, you know, 10 years ago, if you would, you would have asked me, you know, where do you see yourself in 10 years? I, I would, did not see myself here, did not see myself with the platform that I have right now. Um, but if you would have asked me five years ago, I would have said, you know what, maybe if you would have asked me three years ago, I would have been like, hell yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. be there. Uh, I think it's just been, a, um, you know, things that I lived throughout my life. Uh you know, without going into too much detail because we'd be here forever. Um, You know, my family's rejection from, you know, when I came out, you know, they didn't accept me. I overcame that. Uh, Overcoming um, four serious surgeries. I've had four serious surgeries. Um, I overcame those. Uh, Overcoming personal difficulties in relationships. Um, Overcoming a situation in, you know, a previous team where I I went through, I would say the, the most difficult thing in my life. And I overcame that. So each time I overcome an obstacle, I, I develop more and more courage to continue doing what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it with social media with, with even knowing you as a friend, Janelle, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to find or to, to see if there is something that's, you're not overcoming. <laughs> and I don't know what, because you're talking about all these things, right? And it's you, you know looking at you, and I know there's times where you're like, we so I'm not okay, you know I'm going through some stuff, and I know now as 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 your friend and someone that works with you is, man, you you go through a lot, and we see the other side where you're just courageous and you're out there and you're everywhere. Right before this podcast, I we talked about a project that's, that's like, you know, in five days, you're like, We saw I'm so stressed out. I don't want to even talk about that right now. And I it, I, I share that with you all because I he's a very, very busy person, right? Um, and I, I think I admire that. I admire your your discipline. You've you've been mean to me about it, my discipline but right now,
0: Straight up. Huh? I was really straight, straight up with you.
1: Straight up. Hey, I don't feel like I'm surprised out.
0: you're still talking to me after that.
1: I, I, shoot, by the way, if you don't know, I was like, hey, I don't feel like going to the gym. That's because you're not disciplined, Wiesel.
0: <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, wait, 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 let me tell the people this. And then you tried saying, what do you mean I am disciplined? And you gave me like, you said, oh, you know what? I've been going to the gym consistently for like two months. And I, and then you said, but I haven't gone in a week. And I said, you're not disciplined, Wiesel. And you got really, really, really upset. But then I think it made you wake up a little bit.
1: I didn't get upset. <laughs> it was just the fact that I was like, please give me some uh, some motivation, looking to you for motivation. And you're like. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. You're not going to do it if you're not if you you don't need motivation, you just need discipline. And I was like, "Thank you." But it did my honesty help? It did. It, 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 it. Right, then it, it. you're like, "Okay, the same don't say mad at me." <laughs> don't be mad at me. Anyway, um back to the seriousness and and when you're thinking about your life, right, and, you know, obviously there's moments that you have, um, the story about you coming out to your parents, and it's one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to, to ask you on it. If For those that don't know, you hear about um, coming out stories and you hear about rejection stories, but to you, it was kind of all intertwined into our culture and what we talked about, right, of people that uh, you cannot be this way. I know now, you know, you have a, a relationship with your parents and, and you've, you've told me that, but there was a time before when you didn't because of your, of your sexuality. Um, what was the hardest thing about that episode of your life coming out to your family and being rejected of who you are and who you love, the people that you love?
0: Well, I'm 31 years old now. Uh, when I came out, um, well, personally, I never hit it, right? I had my first girlfriend when I was 18. Uh, You know, I was just like, all right, cool. Obviously I questioned it because it was like uh, people around me were questioning it, but I personally was just like, I'm cool with this, you know? Uh, But it wasn't until maybe around 20 years old when, my family started treating me differently. Uh, so they knew I had a girlfriend. It was always taboo. And then they just started treating me differently. And it got to the point where, you know, they were speaking down to me, speaking badly to me. Um, they didn't think I deserved to be treated the same way as my brothers were treated. I have four brothers. Um, and then I got to a point where I said, uh, like, you know what, like, this is me. Like, if you don't love me or accept me for, for me, like that, that's not going to change. Um, Did you think, and sorry to stop,
1: when you obviously had a girlfriend, you're 18. And did you think that were you already like, this is going to be really hard for my family to to understand? Like, or were you like, no, they're going to be cool. Like in in that sense of. Were you shocked the way that they treated you?
0: No, I wasn't shocked at all. That's actually a good question, right? I, I was never surprised. I expected it. Why? Because of the culture that I was raised in. Um, you know, since I was little, I remember watching games on TV uh, and, you know, my dad yelling at the TV and telling, you know, the players like, oh, it's un pinche maricón, you know? So I grew up hearing those things. I grew up already knowing that my family was homophobic and they didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize it. Right. Because I was also so ingrained in that machismo, that uh, patriarchal mentality. So when I, you know, finally came to terms with myself because it is a process for yourself too. Right. I finally, you know, I was battling, you know, I had an internal battle with myself because I wanted one thing, but my family and society was telling me another thing. So that was difficult in itself. And it took me a few years to finally be like, Hey, no, this is me and I'm badass, and I'm not going to change for anybody. Now, even though I felt that way, um, it got to a point where, uh, you know, I was being more out, and more open about who I was and my family didn't like it. And uh, one of the most difficult moments was when uh, my dad, you know, he calls me, I wasn't living with him at this time. And he calls me, he says, come to the house right now. I need to speak to you. And it was just the worst over the phone. I knew the worst was going to happen. And how old were you then? I was, I don't know, maybe 20. Um, yeah. and he tells me, uh, you know, um, It's so even hard and I know, and I've said this a few times before, but it's still hard every time, uh, he tells me, you know, if it wasn't for blood, you wouldn't be my daughter. Uh, so as a daughter, as a son, as a, however you wish, you know, to identify for you to hear that from your parents, oh man, it's heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. In that moment, I just felt like my whole world came crashing down and I said, Whoa, like this is serious. Like they really don't love me.
1: And just analyzing that statement where, and and I I don't know how, I I don't know, you know, obviously what your father and what he's gone through for him to say, you're not my daughter because you choose to love a person of the same sex. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think his reasonings were? Is it, is it a shame to him? Like, I grew up with, oh, you know, watch his kid is going to be gay. Like, those are the type of comments, you know, you know, watch like that's like something that's bad. And is that maybe as a as a man going, oh, my gosh, if my kids are gay, I'm like the shame of the family, like Mm -hmm. on a personal level. And I don't know if you ever asked your dad that now that you have a relationship and you guys are fine. But what was so wrong about it?
0: Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I just realized that I, I've never had that conversation with my dad and I think I want to have it. Um, I've never had that conversation because I've just made assumptions on our based on the way our culture is. yeah and you know I think he used that way because it's the way that he was raised because um, you know he he didn't know any better. He had never been shown anything different. He had never been challenged. his culture had never been challenged. Everything he knows had never been challenged. But how does that affect him? And I think, and I think that that's the thing. I think there's a lot of men in our culture that um, just take, take things for granted that you know people tell them they're raised a certain way and things are this way and you're the man, and you know, the way you say what you say goes, and that's just the way it is. And no one ever questioned them. So I think they just accept that and they think, well, no one's questioning me. All right, this is the way that things are going to be. And I think this goes for anything in life, right? If you if you see things a certain way. And nobody has ever questioned you and you've never ever had a different perspective. And then somebody along the way comes and tries to say, Hey, hey, hold up. I don't agree with you. You're kind of like, Whoa. So I think um, in part it was um, one, I think my dad had a control, a control issue, which I think it happens in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of families in our, in our culture where the man thinks that he needs to control everything the woman does. So that was one thing. Two, he was ashamed of me. He was very ashamed of me, um, and I know that because um, we had that com- not directly, but you know, he was always like, "Oh, I'm worried about what they're gonna say, or I'm worried about this, or I'm worried about what you know." And had, I remember like,
1: family or uh, it, it, anybody. You know, his, his reputation is like his, oh my he my, was worried I, about like his daughter. reputation. Yeah, yeah.
0: And and I remember one time I did tell him, I said, "Hey, Dad, what do you care more about, other people's opinions or my life?" And I think, did did he
1: think it was like a phase that now you you don't know what you're talking about? You're just trying to be rebellious.
0: I think he's just a combination of a lot of things of like one, maybe I was trying to be rebellious, but more than anything, I think the number one cause of his actions is a lack of education, lack of open-mindedness more than anything. Like it's just, um, you know, he was raised in such a closed-minded home and society and culture. And, you know, it goes back to what? Well, we talked about five, 10 minutes ago, right? Education, education. We need to educate and re-educate the next generations for this to change.
1: Would have been the same. And I, I don't know, you know, if one of your brothers was gay. Um,
0: I think, I think it would have been just as hard. And you mentioned something that you heard, right? When you were growing up, oh, look, he's going to be gay or she's going to be gay. Right. And it's such as it's wrong. We need to stop doing that of course. because we're, we're right. Um, and I've heard like, you know, my brother, one of my brothers say things one time, like, well, it's cool that you're a gay sis, but I'm not cool with gay guys. What? So we need to change that. It's like, no, what is that? What does it matter? Your sex, or gender shouldn't matter at all. And you know, now they're more open-minded. Um, and then I'm sure they're, they're not going to like that I'm sharing these things, but we need to share them because people need to know that this shit happens. And it's not happening. It's happening in so many other families with so many other people, mm-hmm. and we need to stop saying these things because it's just damaging. It's so damaging, and we don't even realize how how much of an impact we're having in others' lives.
1: You mentioned something where you know your, your dad's watching a Mexican game and says "maricón" and all that, and and in how many households that's happening mm-hmm. where there is someone that well does not like women you know a guy or a, a boy is sitting there and is attracted to uh a, a, you know a person of the same sex and they're hearing their family and their parents you know scream this kind of takes us back to what's happening at you know the mexico games with the with the pee chant and uh, you did a great interview with a friend of mine, test where it's it opened people's eyes where you don't know how the other person mm-hmm. they're what they're dealing with and to you it might be a joke or two or whatever it's just saying it's something that you're saying but it is offensive and thank you for, for sharing that. And, you know, if that prompted you to ask your dad, I think it would be, if you're comfortable another conversation to have, it was like, what, how did it impact you?
0: No, it's, that's definitely on my, my to-do list. And I think it's going to be one of the most difficult, uncomfortable conversations I'm ever going to have, but it's going to be one of the most impactful. So I'm going to make it happen.
1: It, it doesn't stop with your dad. Right, your your mom and I would think your brothers too. No, but obviously it starts with your dad and how the head of the household. And, and in a sense, as your mom, did, was she, did she take it differently as a woman, knowing the love that that she has for her children? And I don't want to say that. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say you know like the way that moms will do anything for their children for their happiness, and you see that more, and that's part of our culture where you've seen dad be like, well, I'll disown you. But mom's like, no, at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, with my mom, it was, it was difficult as well. I mean, she rejected me too, uh, in in her own way. Um, you know, she put a lot of pressure on me to, um, well, like my whole family used to put a lot of pressure on me to, to be with a guy. And for my mom, you know, I got to a point where, uh, I had a, a girlfriend and She would tell me, well, no, she can't come over. And I would say, well, if my brother's girlfriends can come over, why can't mine? And she would say, well, that's different. not your brothers so i started being treated differently and i actually left my mom's house because of that first i left my dad's house and then i left my mom's house um so it was like i had to fight like this double battle because my parents were it was right when they had first separated so that made things even more difficult having to do all of this twice (laughs) um but you know i had to i had to take it and for what it is and I, i accepted the challenge um and yeah, that was kind of how I was with my mom and, you know, she, I would go visit her and she wouldn't want me to go out and she wouldn't want me to be seeing this girl or whatever. And, you know, she wasn't as direct as my dad was, um, but it still hurt a lot. Yeah. Um, it was a different form of rejection. And then uh, the, the day that, you know, I, I decided to leave her house because she told me, she said, well, I'm treating your brothers differently. I said, well, I'm leaving. You either treat me the same way or, or, you know, I don't want to be here. I left. It took her a week a week of not talking to me and in a week she called me and, you know, says me, I come home. And in that time, you know, I had to have the conversation with her and say, Hey mom, you know, I need you to love me for me to be okay. I'm the same person, you know, and little by little, you know, things got better.
1: As far as going back to your dad, was there a time finally it's like, okay, I'm not going to disown you. Okay. I'm going to accept you. How long did that take?
0: Yeah. How long did it take? I'm not sure, but I want to say maybe a few years. Wow a few years at least, um, I'd say two, three years. Uh, It took him seeing me at my lowest point for him to open his eyes. And by my lowest point, I mean, uh, I I had stopped playing soccer. Um, I became an alcoholic. I was suicidal. I suffered um, from uh, major depression, uh, major anxiety, constant panic attacks, uh, paranoia, insomnia, you name it. It was, you know, I had everything at once. Uh, And I ended up in the hospital um, cause I was trying to drink myself to death and that was what I was trying to do every day of my life because I couldn't live with my family's rejection and it happened to be odd. We happened to be in the same place at the same time. Uh, it's funny how life happens, but he happened to be there. And he asked me, um, he said, are you like this because you're gay? And those were his exact words in Spanish. And my response was, no, dad, I'm not like this because I'm gay. I'm like this because you told me you didn't love me. There's a big difference. And man, that's when things changed. It took that moment and those words, very few words from him and from me, for him to to open his eyes. And he was with me at the hospital and um, you know, I'm glad that I'm still here. And then things didn't get worse and that I was able to recover from, from all of those things. Um, But yeah, it took that. So two, three years maybe of of me being at my worst consistently. And then things started getting better when I was about 25 years old, maybe.
1: So there's direct correlation of how you were that time was because you weren't accepted by your family. Yes. Obviously, there's sure other things, but that was probably the main reason.
0: Yeah, that was the main reason. I firmly believe that, you know, love is what drives us to live. Love is why we get up every day. And I don't mean just love between partners, just love in general, love between friends, love for mm-hmm. what you do, love for your family. And I, I felt I didn't have that. So I felt I had no reason to live. And when I started seeing glimpses of it back in my life, uh, that's when I, I started changing my life and my perspective on life. Wow. <laughs>
1: i i i I've heard your story then of the reason why you know you you know you've talked about it with me and, uh that you went through some really crappy stuff and, and but the reason is as to why it was just kind of you know things that you were going through, yeah, and as someone that is privileged enough not to obviously go through something like that, you don't ever think about you don't ever think about that. You know, you see people struggle, but Mm -hmm. to not be to the main reason of you struggling like you did was because you weren't accepted Is as well. It's
0: huge. And, and I I know I saw the expression on your face. I know those listening can't see the expression on your face, but you kind of, I don't think we've actually gotten that deep before. And I think it's just, you know, for everybody listening, um, just for us to consider like, the consequences of our actions and the consequences of our, our words. Because like the connections we have with other people, that's everything in life. Like everything. If you think about it, right? When you wake up in the morning, what do you do? Right. Most people have the routines, but you get up and you're on your phone and you want you want to talk to people. You want to connect with people, right? If you live with your loved ones, you want to connect with them. And we forget that. We forget how impactful our words are and our relationships can be. And I think, you know, I wouldn't change a thing now. I, I'm grateful for what I lived because, you know, without the, the, that adversity, I wouldn't be here today. But I do hope to change things for other people. I do hope that, you know, if other people are in my situation or your situation or as a parent or as a sibling or as a friend or as a, whatever it may be, you know, that they can just be a little more open-minded and and understand that, um, you know, we can change a person's life by simply loving them.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. It's, it all comes to love. I think we, we've always, we, we've always established that. Love Um, and education. Love and education. There we go. Um, how are things now? I mean, I'm not saying that they're perfect, but you know, it's, it's been, like you said, five years, your family acceptance, you and I have talked about where your family still says stuff that you're like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and it's, it's this education of keep, keep going with it, not to put your family on the spots, but could you say things that they, they have fully accepted you?
0: Fully? Um, <laughs> I don't know if, if that's, I don't know if my family will ever fully accept me. I think, um, uh, there's some people in my family that, you know, their egos are always in the way. Um, mm-hmm. and, I think until they can let that go completely, then they'll fully accept me. Uh, I do think that we've come a long way. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago that I'd be here now, I would have said no. I never thought I would have the relationship that I have now with my family. So I'm very grateful for that. I'm very grateful that um, they have all decided to be better. They have all decided to just be more open-minded and to not just to love me and accept me, but you know, just be better for our family in general. I have a lot of nieces and nephews and uh, you know I always tell them everything I do is for them I, I want them to to be in a world where they can be who they are and they can you know and for them not to go through what I went through i
1: i I don't know if I don't want this to sound weird or a bad question and <laughs> maybe there is no that. bad question there is no but <laughs> do you feel that you, the success of your career has helped? your family accept who you are. It's like, if you weren't yeah. canelli, the soccer player, that's, you know, play the national team, which, and that standpoint, I know we've talked about where your family was like, it, it obviously are proud of you and who wouldn't be proud of my sister. My daughter is playing for Mexico. The, the team that I love that, I mean, it's one of the biggest passions in our family and does that make it easier for them to accept you if you were not a soccer player, if you weren't fit, I'll say famous, if you weren't, you know, out there?
0: Good question. Yeah, I think I think all of my accompli- accomplishments and where I stand now definitely have facilitated the process. I think that, um, you know, hypothetically speaking, if I wasn't where I am today, my family would be still be questioning me being gay. Um, that's the reality, but I'm glad that that's not the case. Um, yeah, I think that uh, they are very proud of you know everything that I have done and everything that I am doing. Um, but I just want like people to know that that shouldn't be the case, right? We should accept people for who they are, no matter what. It should we shouldn't have to link, um, you know, their acceptance to their accomplishments. It shouldn't yeah. be that way.
1: Which a lot of parents do, I and mean, yeah, for for whatever reason that that's it, right? And it's it comes down to it. Um and yeah, and it's and for those of you that are listening, I mean, uh, you know, if you I know that a Janelle UU, you, you, if there's anybody that reaches out to you or that needs help, you're able to help them. And if you're listening to us and, and I myself and here at Nidiak Key, it's if there's resources that we can help out, if there's somebody that's struggling right now and needs guidance, reach out, reach out to us, send us a message and we'll 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 try to find some help. And and I think this is these are the conversations that we need to have. Yep. <laughs> these are the, these are the conversations. They're tough conversations. Um, the
0: send us a future message future. to the need that key pages. Yes. yes. Yeah. Cause minor, we won't get the same response rates just cause it's, <laughs> you know, need that key social media. We'll get yes, back yes, to you there.
1: Yes, definitely send us there. Uh, yeah, Cause then the messages kind of get lost cause there's a lot that come in. Um the future Janelli. And I don't think we've talked a lot about this. You know, you, you're, you're America, you're, you're playing, um, to the fans, to the people that are listening to us, you said something, I don't know where I would be in 10 years. And I don't necessarily like the question of where are you are
0: going to be in 10 years, but what's,
1: what's next for, for Janelle?
0: What's next for me? Well, uh, I'm 31 years old. I've said that three times in this episode, and I'm very proud to say I'm 31 years old. Um, yeah. So uh, where I see myself in five years, uh, I would like to continue doing what I'm doing now, uh, continue building my platform. Um, you know, I, I genuinely, genuinely wish to change the world someday, if not today, maybe tomorrow um, through, through any little action. And I've, I've also done some TV analyzing, soccer analyzing stuff. Uh, but if I'm completely honest, I don't, I don't know if I see myself there in five years. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm embracing the opportunities that I have now. I'm exploring different options. Um, I want to keep my options open and I'm grateful for the people that believe in me. I believe. Uh, (laughs) Thanks friend. But, uh, more than anything, I see myself more in like, a you know, director's role Uh, maybe at a club, maybe at a whole federation, uh, maybe at the FIFA level. Uh, I think eventually, um, you know, I can bring my, uh, you know, my perspective and objective in life to, to a platform like that. Well, there you go. And I'm going to continue being really fit and make that clear. (laughs)
1: You've seen the, uh, chef weta which uh, not only uh obviously the discipline that you have working out but also in your the healthy style so if those have you have not seen um all the amazing food not only is it healthy but it's really 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 good. <laughs> like i've gone and i it's amazing uh what did you make the nopal i,
0: I made you some enfrijoladas de tortilla oh, nopal, nopal. Oof, yeah. those those were so good. those were delicious so
1: good. <laughs> delicious delicious um we always try to thank our guests, but I, I, of course I'm going to thank you, but Danelli, I know that, you know, you've told your story, I've heard your story, but details on it. I think this is where I kind of wanted to make sure we, you know, we talk about stuff like this mm-hmm. and thank you. Thank you for sharing it because I think I, <laughs> you saw my face, right? I'm like, wow, like <laughs> yeah. that part I didn't know about you. So I was like, that's what I got myself into. Um, we always end with our guests and you, and you've asked before is how do you identify? Can I ask There's myself? You got to ask yourself. <laughs> how do I identify? How do you identify? And and that can change is what we've seen, right? <laughs> yeah. Like what's different. I think Michael said right now I'm an uncle, you know, or, yeah. um, but if someone said to you, how do you identify?
0: Do we have an hour? to
1: <laughs> No, uh, our, No, I'm uh, just kidding. I'll, I'll give, I'll
0: give you this short version i'll keep it this short version yeah um i identify as and i said it earlier uh i genuinely believe i'm the most courageous person that i know i believe that i am the most resilient person that i know i believe that i am um just the most loving passionate person person that i know and i really really am proud of that and i take that in everything that i do uh and then uh i am uh I'm happy. (laughs) I'm happy. You know, despite just recovering from COVID, I'm happy. (laughs) Um, I am a person above all. And, and if you would have asked me this question two years ago, 10 years ago, I would have been like, Oh, I'm Mexican American. I think that's like the default thing that we always go to. Right. But we're yeah. so much more. We're so much more. Um, you know, I am a woman, I am gay, I am Mexican, I am American. I am a soccer player. I am a Tia. I am a friend. I am a girlfriend. Uh, and then, you know, the list goes on and on and I'm proud of every single facet of myself. Wow. I like that you said you're happy. We forget that sometimes. We do. We
1: do forget that sometimes. Yeah. I've
0: uh, I've been been practicing, you know, more gratitude lately and I'm still learning this whole meditation thing. And I've realized that, well, we often in life, you know, we get so caught up in stress and everybody does it that we forget to be happy. And I think being happy is a decision that you make. Yeah, for sure. For those... um, so
1: that We have a um, right production uh, when we talked about, especially of, of getting resources and help, the Trevor Project 866 7386 The Trevor Project is the leading national organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and question in LGBTQ young people ages 13 through 24. So uh, if there's anybody out there, like I said, send a message to here in Iviaki and we'll try to get you more um regarding this episode and i hear uh luisa Productions asking you know what would be a cool question to ask you and we can either reply or post on there um but maybe put maybe the question to you that everybody is listening is uh, like i said we always ask what's the best thing about being latino latina latinx chicano hispanic however you identify um, yeah. What's the best. But then the question that I asked Latina uh, that I asked Danelli is, you know, what is something that you're not proud of? And maybe that's the question.
0: I like I like that. I think it should be, you know, what is something that you're not proud of and how can you change it? Or how can you, Ooh. what can you do to make yeah. a difference? Not just in yourself, but in the people around you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, leave us uh, your response and a review.
1: Yeah. Send the response to Nidia Key Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. What don't you like about our culture, and how can you change it? Yes. If I said I don't like the machismo part of it, okay. How can I change it, man? That's, yeah. What can you? No, do? What can I do about it? But we'll do that. Uh, again, subscribe, Apple Podcast, and uh, leave us a reply too. If you're liking this, uh, especially there the that reply a um, what are those called stars
0: review. 5 stars only. A yeah, bit.
1: yeah, 5 stars. leave leave, leave us review. Leave
0: five stars. <laughs> <laughs> only
1: if you if you, if you're going to do a review, please do do five stars and then any questions that you do have, uh let us know oh, and uh, we'll we'll try to answer them our best. So
0: or any topics that you maybe would like us to, you know, focus on? Topics, ideas, send them our way.
1: We do have some some topics lined up, but for sure, for sure. All right. This has been a great episode. Episode 4 of, of Nidiaki. I'm Wiso Vasquez.
0: And I'm Yaneli Farias. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Wiso, for such a profound uh, conversation. Yes. Hasta la próxima.